105.9 VX. Your home of the pens and the best pens coverage. WXDX FM Pittsburgh, an iHeart radio station. The Steelers can win close games. That's very evident. In the last five games, they've won four of them by three points, three points, three points, and one point. Thank God for Chris Roswell, the latest addition to the Killer Bees. Ben, Bell, Brown, used to be Bryant, now it's Boswell. But the trick is, will the New England game be close, or rather close enough that the Steelers can gut out a close result? The Steelers blew a lead last night against Baltimore. The Steelers overcame a big deficit last night against Baltimore. The Steelers were all over the place and so off and on. Will that work against New England? New England, whose D is also missing a key component in Dante Hightower. That's where losing Shazier hurts so much. It takes away an edge, a big edge, that playmaker on defense. Next Sunday in Heinz Field is going to be as intense as a regular season game has been for the Steelers in quite some time. Not murderous like a Bengals game or physical and with great consequence like a Ravens game, but home field's on the line. That's the main thing against New England, but a bigger question is, can the Steelers do it? Can the Steelers finally conquer their nemesis? And then if they do, the bigger question would be, can the Steelers do it again? you got the greatest quarterback ever against one of the few that's very close. you got the greatest coach ever against a coach with a very good record, except for not ever beating that guy. It's not too early to get the hype going, not even after a one-point win over your biggest traditional rival. Last night meant a ton. Next Sunday means even more. Sick again brought to you by 84 Lumber, your hometown building partner since 1956. I just cannot wait for the game on Sunday. It is going to be huge, just amazing. And I'm not going to pick the Steelers to win, but I don't think that's an impossibility. Not like what I've been saying recently, that if they played a series that was best of 101, it was kind of meant for effect and not really heartfelt. But uh, I'm talking about if they played ten times, the Steelers might win eight. Oh, excuse me, might win two. The Patriots would win eight. So it's a matter of when the Steelers could win their two. And this Sunday and then in the AFC Championship game would be just dandy. But as mentioned earlier, Jacksonville coming to the four and being uh, one of the best, arguably the best, defensive platoon in football that puts a whole new coat of paint on it because you don't only want to get home field now I think you don't want to play Jacksonville in the divisional round I think you'd much rather play Kansas City although then again the LA Chargers Potash's team the way they look I don't know just a lot of stuff uh, going on a lot of directions that the Steelers season can still go in. 
just incredible that they're 11 and 2. The Patriots are 11 and 2, but I still feel like New England is in a different class. And like Williamson said, they've done very well on defense during the current eight game winning streak after starting out a little sloppy on that side of the ball. So can't wait for the game Sunday. 412 333 We got the Penguins playing tonight as well. Going to be joined by Phil Bork at uh, 4.30 to talk pens. The Toronto game on Saturday was uh, not good. The Penguins lost by just one, four to three, but the Leafs led three zip just 13 minutes in, and a lot of Leafs fans were there, and they made a lot of noise, and it just kind of sucked. Tristan Jari has maybe hit a wall. He's going to be in goal again tonight, though. Uh, Matthew Murray's close, and boy, what a story that would be Thursday if Marc-Andre Fleury, as is possible, finally comes back from his concussion problems and faces Murray when the Penguins visit fabulous Las Vegas with your favorite super genius in attendance. Uh, I'm not knocking Jari, but maybe uh, he can't quite handle a starter's workload just yet at the NHL level. Uh, Like I said, Murray uh, pretty close to returning, and that's good. Jari got bombed out after one period on Saturday. The dismiss did, did okay after coming in. Uh, the Penguins came out very flat on Saturday. And it's easy to say that's mental, but I feel like the Penguins are spent physically after 213 games over the past two seasons and 31 games this year. I mean, wow, that's a lot. There's a reason nobody's won three Stanley Cups in a row since 1982. And it's easy to complain about needing a third-line center or more scoring depth or another defenseman. But when you get beat 4-3 at home by Toronto and you're down 3-zip after 13 minutes, that's not because you need a third-line center or whatever. It's because your good players didn't do as good as they should, especially early because you expect them to set the tempo coming out the gate. And the Penguins, like I said, were down 3-0 to Toronto after just 13 minutes. Uh, I wrote a column for timesonline.com you might enjoy, talking about uh, what the Penguins need and uh, a more expansive version of me and what I just said now that it's not their depth guys that are hurting them and losing games as much as is their top guys, especially in a situation like the game on Saturday, coming out just, just really flat and losing to Toronto. As I mentioned earlier, the Gensel, Sheary, Crosby line has been reunited. Dominic Simon got called up. He made a real good pass to, to uh, assist the goal on Saturday. Uh, he played a little bit with Crosby. He's not overly fast. I don't think he can do that on a temporary, uh, on anything more than a temporary basis. But I do like uh, that he's going to be on the third line tonight with Hornquist and Shane. Uh, maybe it's time, like like happened in 2016, for Cobb from Wilkes to do well enough that he can play his way into a uh, semi-permanent spot, uh, i.e. he can stay with the team after some of the injuries heal. I also find myself wondering, and I'll talk more about this at 5.30 when we do the Hockey Night Show, I also find myself wondering if the Penguins need to temper their style a bit. Uh, you hear Mike Sullivan preach about playing fast and utilizing speed and getting the defenseman involved in the rush. And I know that's what they want to do. I know that's what their success has been based on. I know that's what they need to do. 
uh, later on to have their best chance in the third straight Stanley Cup. But maybe you can't play at that pace every night for a third straight year. Maybe there's some nights, like on the road, you need to dial it back a little bit, trap it up a little bit, go with a little bit of hockey IQ instead of just speed, speed, speed. They won't want to do that, but maybe at some point it becomes necessary. Let's go to Sean. Sean, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Mark, how you doing? Um, Desperate times seem to call for desperate measures, and it's probably going to sound stupid, but why not give Troy Palomalo a call? I'm sure he's healthy and fully recovered from everything from the last couple years. Okay, so so you think he's fully recovered from everything that's happened during his career of playing at that breakneck pace and extremely physically. You think he's totally recovered after being off a couple years? I don't think he's totally recovered, but I think he'd be healthy enough. I mean, Rebus okay, just signed. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, what makes you think he'd be interested? Maybe just get that one more ring. Yeah, he's not interested. Trust me on that one. He's not interested. Anything else? What about Ike? No, I, Ike uh, is not. Well, I, he, actually, Ike would be interested, but uh, he wasn't all that good when he wrapped up. Bro, they're dumb ideas. Don't ever call here again. Thank you. Why don't we bring back Mel Blunt and Mike Wagner? Wags, Mel, I know you listen sometimes. If you're ready to go, call right now, 412-333-WXDX. My God. Okay, let's do a reset. The Steelers with, and by the way, last night's win, I rarely say this because I like to look forward to the next game, especially when the next game is uh, a reenactment of Dunkirk. Let's hope it turns out better than, well, actually, well, they ran, but they lived to fight another day, and they won the next day. Okay, maybe that's the metaphor I'm looking for with the Steelers. But uh, the Steelers, that win over Baltimore was reward in and of itself. What a great win over a great rival. You win the division. You face time with Shazier afterward. Uh, Chris Boswell, just money. Ben's money. Bron's money. All those guys are money. So that win in and of itself was just terrific. But uh, now you play New England. And, and again, it's not just about getting home field, although that's very important. It's about finally beating these guys, finally beating that coach, finally beating that quarterback. And it has happened intermittently, but not very often. One of the Steelers, I think, 3-10 and 10 against the Patriots in the Brady and Belichick era. And there's a lot on the line in this game. How can the Steelers beat New England? I don't think they logically can. I think it's going to be something fluky or something I'd not considered. I just think New England's a better team, a much better team. I think they've proven it over a number of years and in a number of game head-to-head with the Steelers. But what can the Patriots, excuse me, the Steelers do to beat the Patriots? Keeping in mind that Patriot defense without Hightower has shown itself to be vulnerable. Then, again, lately, it's played much better. Right now, the Patriots have won eight in a row, and they're on a roll. We talk about the Steelers having won, what is it now, seven in a row? No, it's eight in a row, too, I think. And they're on a roll, but the Patriots are just, they're a class above, as so often are. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 The X. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Super genius, big fan. That happens when the show's as popular as this one. Yeah, double M, man. He'd love the show. He just wants to dance. The X at 105.9. We got Phil Bork up next, the old two niner, to talk Penguins hockey. The Penguins host the Colorado Avalanche tonight at PPG Paints Arena. I uh, don't forget, I'm off tomorrow and Wednesday. 
Then I'll be doing the show Thursday, Friday, and Monday from fabulous Las Vegas. Can't wait for the Pens at Vegas uh, on Thursday night. I'm going to the Vegas game tomorrow night as well against uh, Carolina, then Sunday against Florida. Going to make it a Vegas night's week. A bunch of other stuff going on out there, plus all the usual uh, Vegas nonsense. Uh, can't wait to, to get a little bit of time off. In fact, I would have taken the whole week off except, well, Steelers-Patriots. It's going to be so, and I feel obligated to be part of that, especially Monday if it all goes bad, but maybe it won't. Maybe this will be the time the Steelers can uh, get an important victory over their, not their rival, but I refer to the New England Patriots as the Steelers' nemesis. Uh the Steelers have put up some real close wins, some real inspirational wins. Last night's 39-38 victory over Baltimore, uh, not being least among them, but it can't always be about guts. It can't always be heart. It can't always be about uh, balls the size of grapefruits. You've got to go out and play, outplay the great teams. And maybe there's only one great team, truly great team in the NFL currently, and they come to town Sunday. So whatever the Steelers have been doing right to win these eight straight games, well, the Patriots have also won eight straight games going into tonight against Miami. So whatever the uh, Steelers have done well during their winning streak, they're going to have to do it better on Sunday at home against New England. I have very little doubt about that. Let's go to Gary in the car. Gary, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Mark. How you doing? Good, Gary. Hey, I thought about what you said. I got in the car and heard you talk about the game, and I'm thinking that in past years that perhaps Tomlin and the crew always felt that they could beat the Patriots with defense. And I think what you're saying about, you know what, maybe maybe a shootout is the only way to do this, and maybe they, do you think the Steelers perhaps were building up to this because Ben ran the no huddle practically the entire game, so he was pretty much calling his own plays out there. The Steelers scored their first four possessions. They sort of got in the funk in the middle four, and then they came back and scored in their next four. And I think that perhaps maybe they have been building to this to say, you know what, we're going to go toe-to-toe with these guys. Maybe we get lucky, make, make a, have a fumble, maybe have an uh, interception, and maybe at the end have that one or two stops. You can't do it all the time, but if we can put 20 points up in the first half and 20 in the second, we'll see what happens. Well, if they get 40 points, they'll be right in the game. Uh, but what's their approach going to be? There are a lot of people who think you've got to pound the ball on the ground and take the ball out of Brady's hands, not let him on the field very much. But I think that's impractical. I think if you do that, you're playing away from your current strength on offense. And what if you can't pound the ball? And what if you get three and outed? trying to run the ball more often than you'd like, then you're giving Brady the ball a ton. I think you've got to be quick strike and, and move the ball quickly down the field just like New England. But but what gives me, frankly, Gary, not a lot of faith no matter what strategy they choose is the Steelers are all over the place. One minute they're great, one minute they're terrible. They had a huge lead last night. They had to overcome a huge lead last night. Like I said, they're all over the place. They're inconsistent offensively, although they're getting there and putting up the points, but I think their defense is just shot. I think without Shazier and Hayden, there just aren't enough good players on that defense to stand a reasonable chance in a game against Tom Brady. Let's go to Kevin in the car. 
Kevin, you're on with Double M. Hey, Super G, afternoon. Hey, I was a little uh, concerned about uh, how slow those linebackers were getting to the edge, and they're going to face some really good running backs in the playoffs. Uh, do you see any way we can, you know, get that fixed up before that? Because they were, they looked horrible. And, you know, Baltimore had deep back, but you're going to be facing, like, Ferret, you know, uh, maybe Gordon from San Diego, even Hunt. Well, I thought, I thought Alex Collins had a great game last night, and he exploited going up the middle and, and taking advantage of the Steelers' uh, dicey situation at inside linebacker. What would you suggest? How do you fix it? That's what I'm thinking. You move the safeties up, and then you're going to get beat over the top by a good quarterback. They just, you, you didn't really notice how much you miss Shazier until his speed covering the corners, but some of them runs, they just, he just outran them and then turned the corner and turned it in, you know, at five yard into a 15. So. Oh, no, I knew they would miss Shazier. Uh, he's the one legitimate playmaker uh, among that linebacking court. TJ Watt can be. Uh, Vince Williams has done a good job as the second fiddle inside, but that's all he is, is the second fiddle. I love Hayward and Tuitt. And to an extent, Hargrave up front, but but I think they just are what they are at middle linebacker and in the secondary, and it's not very good without Shazier and Joe Hayden. Thank you for the call, Kevin. I don't mean to you know rain on everybody's parade. I just think that it's going to be tough to beat New England with that defense in a shambles without Shazier and Hayden. Now, hopefully, Hayden will be back by the playoff game for sure if it comes to that a second meeting between New England and Pittsburgh. But they just have no one that can reasonably replace Ryan Shazier, and there's no tactic to use to make up for his loss. Up next, we talk hockey with the old 2-9-er. It's two-time Stanley Cup champion Phil Bork next on 105.9. Tales. Live from the Edgar Snyder and Associates Studios, this is the X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark. Yep. You want an answer. You don't want no uh, hee-hawing. Well, I really do like the hee-hawing. DX at 105.9. Joining me now, he is a two-time Stanley Cup champion from the Penguins radio team. It's always a pleasure to talk to the old 2-9er, Phil Bork. Uh, Borky, before we talk hockey, tonight is sellout number 500 in a row for the Penguins at home. And, boy, Pittsburgh has really become a hockey town, hasn't it? Well, I didn't know that. That is flat-out awesome. It is awesome. And, you know, you remember, Mark, when we moved across the street over to the PPG Paints Arena, uh, there were times when that was uh, more of a friendlier arena for the visitors than it was the home team, especially the Philadelphia Flyers. And hasn't that, uh, that seemed so far in the rearview mirror, and a big part of it is the fans and the way – whether it was Mark Rundy Fleury when he was here, now Matt Murray, even Tristan Jari, uh, how the fans get behind the goaltender, how the fans have such an influence in the game. I truly believe that, that when momentum starts running downhill for the Penguins, the fans are a big part of it. So, yeah, I, I tip the old Jofa helmet to the fans, man. That's awesome, 500 straight. <laughs> now, here we are, Borky. It's mid-December, and the Penguins are still very up and down. Is it time to be worried yet? Worried might be a little strong. Uh, definitely concerned. Um, I know it's the middle of December, and, you know, that's, I think, a tough thing for Mike Sullivan is how hard do you push. I think earlier on with the way the schedule was in the back-to-backs that, that I don't think he pushed really that hard. That uh, You know, at times you trust in the leadership group. He'd come right and say that, that I believe in these guys. I believe in that leadership group, and, and uh, I hope they figure it out. And I think it's kind of to the point now where Mike Sullivan, and he was as short and uh, – 
and uh, direct uh, I've ever heard him in the morning after the morning skates in his morning press conference. And I think that the rubber is going to hit the road with Sully here. I think he's he's been patient enough. I think he's let them figure it out uh, long enough to the point now where he's his patience is very very thin. And uh, I think he's going to inject that Irish temper uh, behind the bench and in the locker room that uh, enough is enough with these starts and with the uh, uh, the shortcomings defensively. Uh, that this team is way better than it's been playing, and it just hasn't has not been consistent enough. People complain about the lack of a third line center, scoring depth. Maybe they're one defenseman shy, and I get all that. But is that necessarily why the Penguins are losing games they shouldn't? Because I think there's probably a bigger picture. No, that's not part of my equation at all. I mean, would it be great to have Justin Schultz back? Yeah, Matt Murray back. Yeah, have a completely healthy team. But yeah. It would, we're the Penguinies, man. We don't we don't roll like that. We always have something we have to overcome, and that's what makes it so the sweeter when you're playing in the month of June. But with that being said, yeah, it has nothing to do with Riley Shahan. It has nothing to do with Justin Schultz being out because when those guys were in, when Schultz was in, and we had a completely healthy team, we still had moments of starts where we had a great first shift right out of the gate, and then there was this plateau. And uh, I don't know if that first shift maybe woke up the other team and then we never matched their intensity. But when the coach is talking about work ethic and talking about battle level and talking about desperation, I know, I'm just as a, as a person, Mark, I think, and an athlete, that you would take that personally. You would take that heavy on your heart to be challenged like that. The players are saying it. It's nothing to do with X's and O's. It has to do with a mindset. It has to do with a desperation for two and a half hours to go out there and play your best game and can play the way you're, you're capable of playing. And for some reason, there is a bit of a lull in the Penguins game where they either let teams hang around, where they get back into games, or teams take it to the Penguins, whether it's on the road or even in their home building, uh, and then the Penguins start chasing the game. And they have at times, because of their talent, they're able to get back into the game, but uh, that's not a recipe for success. We, we talk about Riley Shane. And maybe need a better third line center, but I got to say, Shea has played real well lately. A goal in each of his last two games. Maybe he can't score after all, Borky. I think we all knew he could score. He has scored in this league before. He's put up double digits in multiple years. Uh, just because he had a, a real lousy year last year offensively, uh, doesn't mean it completely disappears for a guy. And it's confidence is the funniest thing in all of sports. Uh, when you have it, you want to hang on to it. When you don't have it, it can quickly unravel. Uh, as it did last year for Riley Shahan. So I think that, yeah, he's feeling more comfortable. You don't know this off-ice situation either with his family, with moving, getting a place. Is he in a house? Is he in a, a hotel room? I mean, those are all things that factor into a player getting on a roll and, and, and getting uh, that confidence back. And I think now that Shahan's been here long enough, he understands the system. He's probably comfortable with his off-ice situation. And he's starting to just play hockey. And, yeah, when you start seeing that little black disc going against that white twine market it can be contagious and i think shahan is feeling it right now and uh it's funny how uh, once he got that first one that empty nether up in ottawa things started to roll for him offensively whether it was with an assist or now with goals has tristan jari hit a wall uh too much workload uh during his first significant nhl run i know murray's going to be back soon jari's in tonight i'm not making excuses for tristan but uh it is quite a jump to the NHL level, especially playing a bunch of games in a row. Boy, Mark, I, I kind of go back and forth with this one um, because we have played quite a bit of hockey. Um, 
I think it's more of a young goaltender at the NHL level just going through some growing pains because, you know, we isolate a lot on the one or two mistakes that he makes, and all of a sudden it's too much too soon, it's fatigue, it's, it's, it's this and it's that, or maybe it's just a young goaltender, um, you know, making a mistake and it ends up in the back of the net because he's playing against really good hockey players. On top of that, you know, he's got some defense in front of him that are shaky. What I like about him is if he does make one little gaffe or a puck breaks through his equipment and goes in, you're like, oh, man, he probably should have had that one. His bounce-back ability is right there, Mark. We take for granted how many big saves he's had to make uh, because we come a, you become uh, very accustomed to that with Murray and Flurry when they were here. That your, your, your goaltender shouldn't have to make as many big saves as our goaltenders do. So I think that's more on, on the Penguins' defense than it is on Tristan Jari. I think that Jari's just been just fine, whether it's been the schedule or the opponent. Uh, I think he's a really good goaltender, and we're lucky to have him here. We're talking to Phil Bork here on 105.9, the ex-Borky. Uh, what would you take on Dominic Simone in his first NHL action of the year on Saturday? He's not the quickest guy in the world, but he's got a pretty good hockey IQ. I like him. I do like him. I did my two minutes with him tonight, so stay tuned for that uh, right before puck drop. Um, you know, he's played six NHL games, Mark. He has four assists. That's, that's nothing to sneeze at. And he was up there with Sid last game when Sully was looking for a spark, and he gave the Penguins a spark. He's an interesting player because he's not that big, he's not that fast, he's not that strong, but he's smart. Every time I, I, I see him on the ice, I see him around the net. Mike's calling his name. He's noticeable out there. So I, I think you want to see a little bit more from Dominic Simone. Um, he's, he's got a really good hockey IQ, and we talked about whether it was Sherry or Gensel or Rust, and these young players that we've had come up, they've all kind of been like that. So, uh, you know, we didn't think Connor Sherry was all that in the bag of chips when he first got called up, but a little bit more and a little bit a little bit more, he kept showing you more. And I think maybe that uh, Dominic Simone's one of those guys now that you want to see more of him. Um, I'm, I'm not sure where he's going to play. I'm probably on the third, sorry, on the third line, but you know Sully. If he, if he doesn't like what he sees from the top guys, even from Gensel or from Sherry or, or whoever it is, that Dominic Simone will uh, go up the ladder very quickly, whether it's playing with Sid or Gino. Well, tonight it looks like Sid, Gensel, and Sherry back together. Right. Uh, they worked into skate. I, I like that line, but I like Sid with Hornquist, too. Give me the pros and cons. What would you rather see, Sid with the kids or Sid with Patrick Hornquist? I'd like to start the game with Sid and the kids because that's just speed, and Sid loves the speed as much as he loves Patrick Hornquist, and so when I say that, I'm not taking anything away from Horny because I love Horny. I'm, I agree with you, Mark. I, I love Horny up there with Sid. The thing about Horny, you know how he's going to be in front of the net. He's really good at the give and go. Um, he'll retrieve pucks for Sid and then quickly get to the front of the net. He'll drive the center lane. He knows how to kind of buy Sid that time and space. Where I think when you're talking about Gensel and Sherry, you're talking about quick counterattacks. You're talking about electric speed through the neutral zone. You're talking about scoring off of the rush, quick hit type of stuff, um, and that's how that line operates. So there are pros and there are cons. Uh, you know, Obviously, uh, Gensel and Sherry can't do the same things in front of the net that a player like Patrick Hornquist can. But you know, if you're talking about speed can burn, and especially against a team like Colorado, who also has some speedy players, um, I think I would start the game with, uh, with Connor and Jake on there with Sid. But, you know, Selfie, like I mentioned, if he doesn't like what he sees in the first five or ten minutes, 
He's not going to sit on his hands and, and, and just, you know, pray for these guys to find it. He'll quickly get Orny up there or quickly get a player like Dominic Simone up there. As you mentioned, Borky, Colorado's in town tonight. They traded Duchesne last month, but they still got McKinnon, still got Landis Cog. I think they're a fairly formidable group. What say you? I agree. Uh, you take this team lightly. They just do a seven spot up against Florida. And I know Florida doesn't have a Luongo, and they've had their own troubles this year, but they still rolled into Florida and throw a seven up there. Uh, this is a team last year that was basically last in every important category. Um, what I do find interesting, this is the first of a back-to-back for them, uh, and they will play in Washington tomorrow. So it sounds like they're going to go with Semyon Varlamov in Washington. So that means we'll get our old friend Jonathan Bernier, who we had a ton of success against. Uh, we've played them ten times. We beat them nine out of ten uh, in Bernier. But you're right, they've got some really, really good players. Uh, as you mentioned, McKinnon is you know, Sid's buddy. They work out together in the off season. Uh, they're right there in points uh, back and forth. I think that, uh, that McKinnon has one more point than Sid, so it might be a little bragging rights on the ice right there. But uh, you take this team lightly, and the Penguins split with them last year. You take them lightly, uh, you'll be uh, dragging your lip two wasted points. These are, these are two points the Penguins have to have. Fifth game of a five-game homestand before you head on the road to Vegas, Arizona, and Denver. As you said, they play Vegas Thursday. The Golden Knights are 11-2 and two at home. Do the visiting teams go there and sample the nightlife, Borky? I mean, 11-2 and two at home, <laughs> my God. You wouldn't think so, but what other conclusion can you draw given that they're an expansion team? Listen, this is no mistake, Mark. Uh, listen, hockey players are human. That you, you go in the sandbox for a little bit, and, yeah, you get a little bit distracted in that adult sandbox known as Las Vegas. Uh, when I played in the International Hockey League for Muskegon, there was a team in the eye, uh, Las Vegas Wranglers, and their home record was off the charts. It was the same thing, that their road record was eh, okay, uh, but at home they just mow down everybody because the teams just would go there and get distracted. Um, you know, the most interesting thing for me, and I find it incredibly ironic, is here's Mark Andre Fleury has been cleared to play yesterday, and Matt Murray, he looked great this morning in the morning. I almost thought he was going to go tonight against the Avalanche. Uh, and that's what everybody wants to see. It's really, really promising that Murray looks like he's going to be ready to go for that game on Thursday. And if Flurry's ready to go, man, that's going to be one of the, the best games I can imagine, to watch Murray versus Flurry in Vegas, as hot as that team is. And they're, they're for real, too. That's a team, too. You look at their lineup and you're like, uh, I don't know if I see it. But you watch their games, and that is a team that is really playing like a team, and they're dangerous. Yeah, I agree. But but what gets me, Borky, is how do you explain, for example, and they have a, a lot of guys like this, a guy like William Carlson, who's already doubled just about his career yeah. high for goals in the season, and we're not even at the halfway point. Where's that come from? It just comes from the, the coach, Gerard Gallant. He has just been able to pull these guys together. It really is Misfit Island when you look at their team. David Perron is playing. I've never seen David Perron play like this. James Neal <laughs> is playing like a captain, like a leader. Uh, disciplined, both sides of the puck. Uh, it's almost like, you know, he's kind of, their head coach is kind of, uh, you know, let the message uh, be felt that, listen, you're a bunch of castaways. You know, there's a bunch of teams that didn't want you. They, they let you just be exposed to the expansion draft, and we're all together, so let's lock arms. And let's put the oars in the water, and let's just prove everybody wrong. And that's what they've done. They fed off the crowd. They fed off of the tragedy 
that was in Las Vegas back in September, uh, and they've just really pulled together. They've used five goaltenders this year, Mark. It's just really, it is, it's an incredible story. You wait for, for them to drop off and them to, to really go on a, on a deep slide, and every time they lose two, a couple games in a row, they bounce right back uh, with a big win against a, a tough opponent. So it, it's going to be really interesting. I can't wait for that game, but there's no way the Penguins can overlook the Avalanche tonight. Uh, looking forward to that game Thursday in Vegas. Borky, great stuff. Thanks for taking the time. We'll see you at the rink. Sounds good, Double M. I enjoyed it, like always. This was good hockey talk. That's the old 2-9er, Phil Bork. I'm Mark Madden. I am live at Buford's on 5th Avenue. Penguins and Avs tonight. You can hear all the action right here on 105.9 The X. But I want to reset the show. I want your thoughts on last night's 39-38 win over Baltimore. You couldn't ask for more drama. The Steelers were way up. Then they were way down. Then they came from way back. 20 points in the fourth quarter. Ben Roethlisberger goes over 500 yards passing for the third time in his career. It was epic. It was classic. And now this Sunday, it looks like more of the same. What can the Steelers do to beat New England? What would give them their best chance against the Patriots? I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 X. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark, I think you're absolutely hilarious. It's an acquired case. You, you have the answer, Mark. Thank you. Wait, I wasn't done insulting you. VX at 105.9. Antonio Brown went nuts last night. Over 200 yards worth of catches. Just an incredible game by the Steelers wide receiver. And certainly Baltimore was uh, crippled on defense by Jimmy Smith, their top cornerback, being both suspended and out with an Achilles tendon at exactly the same time. But uh, the Baltimore media has taken the Ravens coach, John Harbaugh, to task today after the fact because they just played zone. Uh, a lot of the Baltimore media thinks that Humphrey, the cornerback, should have played Brown one-on-one. Harbaugh said today, and I quote, that's not our game plan. Then we got to basically lock and demand coverage. We're playing multiple defense to try and keep them off balance, and it doesn't work when you start chasing a wide receiver all around the field. It exposes you, unquote. Uh, coach, I got some bad news. What you did kind of got you exposed, too, because Brown just ripped you to shreds, and I couldn't believe that he got open down the sideline late with the game on the line to catch that 37-yard pass that basically went on to decide things. Just can't believe that guy was that open in that situation. 34 yards, rather. Absolutely incredible. Then again, A.B. is absolutely incredible. Not only the best wide receiver in the NFL right now, but I think he's the best wide receiver in Steeler history and maybe the best wide receiver I've ever seen. The only thing holding me back from going all in on that last statement might be he's five foot ten. He gets up there, he gets it, he battles for it, he gets it. But the bigger wide receivers, if you gave any coach in the NFL right now, right this second, a choice between Julio Jones and Antonio Brown, I think just about everyone would pick Julio Jones because of the size difference. And you might get a few to even go for A.J. Green over A.B. for the same reason. I don't think Mike Tom would be one of those coaches, however. 
and I don't think Ben Roethlisberger would pick any receiver besides Tony Brown. Let's go to Justin in Bellevue. Justin, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hello, Mark. How are you today? Hi, Justin. Hey, uh, here's the only way I see the Steelers winning. And Dominican Sue breaking Tom Brady's leg tonight. Well, I hope it doesn't come to that. Uh, but, uh, with but, but, I mean, don't you think there's any way to adjust the game plan? Now, it sounds dumb even me suggesting it. Justin, I know what you mean. That's the one thing, and I'm sure anybody out there that's a Steeler fan that's being honest would agree with me on this, Justin. Let me hear what you think. I can't come up with a logical way. Emphasis on that word logical. I can come up with a logical way for the Steelers to beat New England unless they can beat them like 45-43, which is kind of pie in the sky because I don't think the Patriots would allow that to happen. We talk about the Steelers slowing the game down and keeping Brady off the field. Maybe Brady will do the same thing on offense to keep that Steelers offense off the field. Uh, I'm not knocking Mike Tomlin, and I don't think he'll be the reason the Steelers lose on Sunday, but doesn't it always feel to you, Justin, like Belichick's one step ahead? Not just one step ahead of Tomlin, but one step ahead of everybody, right? Absolutely. I, I absolutely despise Brady and Belichick. But unfortunately, I have to admit, they're the best. Thank you for the call, Justin. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. This segment sponsored by 84 Lumber, your hometown building partner since 1956. People talk about winning 43-41, whatever high-scoring number they might pluck out of the air. I just don't think New England allows that to happen. I just think New England, every time New England plays Pittsburgh, New England controls the pace of the game. Their discipline, focus, and consistency control the pace of the game. The game goes at the tempo New England wants it to, and never the way the Steelers want it to. New England's just superior in almost every way a team can be, and that doesn't dismiss the Steelers' possibilities. But I look at the two teams being 11-2, and two, and I just don't think Pittsburgh's as good as New England anyway. The records don't lie more than a little. But I am I have to be convinced Pittsburgh could win this game. Somebody try and convince me. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. In just a moment, we'll talk about, hey, what a great week for baseball. 105.90X.